0: Hello, this is Donovan Osio, General Manager of the TDA Perks Program. In this edition of Cut to the Chase, we'll cover our second quarter articles. We'll simplify the five HIPAA technical safeguards for transmitting electronic protected health information, discuss starting a practice while paying off student loans, and share tips on how to talk confidently about money with your patients. This information is provided to you by iCor Connect, SoFi, and CareCredit. You can learn about these and other TDA Perks programs at tdaperks.com. Let's start by explaining HIPAA's five technical safeguards in plain English. This information is provided by Don Douglas of iCore Connect. iCore Connect offers a HIPAA compliant secure messaging hub and a cloud-based practice management software. For information on these programs, visit tdaperks.com, programs, HIPAA compliant email, ONC Certified Practice Management Software HIPAA is a series of safeguards to ensure protected health information is actually protected. There are five HIPAA technical safeguards for transmitting electronic protected health information, or EPHI. They are transmission security, authentication, access and audit control, and integrity. Here's what that means in English. Transmission security. This is also called encryption, and it converts your information into a code. You want the highest number when it comes to encryption. In other words, you want 256, 1024, or 2048-bit transmission security because the higher the level, the stronger the security. Transmission security is accomplished through encryption software available in the marketplace. Authentication Authentication verifies that the people seeking access to EPHI are who they say they are. Users and recipients of data are verified through forms of ID using technology like biometrics, which can use fingerprints, face, or iris recognition. Verification is accomplished through a federally recognized program called DIRECT that establishes standards and documentation for electronically moving data in a secure and future-focused way. Access Control This ensures there's no unauthorized access of devices by a person other than an authorized, specifically known user. Unique usernames, passwords, and an automatic log-off feature built into the software accomplishes access control. Audit control. Audit control produces an audit trail across hardware, software, or procedural mechanisms. It's accomplished through software that produces a detailed audit report. Ask your vendor to produce an instant HIPAA audit trail report of your demo session. You should see every activity that occurred during your demo and who it was performed by. Integrity Integrity ensures that electronically transmitted ePHI is not improperly modified without detection until ePHI is disposed of. Accomplished through an off-site service that stores all ePHI communications for six years without the possibility of ePHI modification. Each safeguard can be met individually or through cost-effective solutions that meet all technical safeguards in a comprehensive software package. Products are often labeled HIPAA compliant, but only satisfy one or two of these safeguards. Insist that your vendor demonstrate all five technical safeguards. Your practice depends on it. Starting a practice while paying off student loans by Jason Compton, SoFi. Starting a practice soon after graduating from dental or medical school may sound a little crazy, but it's a very serious option if you're willing to get serious about taking control of your finances, especially your student loan debt. Debt Debt-wise, the numbers can be daunting. The American Dental Education Association put the average dental school debt load in 2015 at over $255,000. But that doesn't have to mean putting your dreams of opening a practice on hold. Meet Brandy Lindsay, a dentist based in Uvalde, Texas, Ian Augustin, an anesthesiologist in Eau Claire, Wisconsin, and Jacqueline Martinez, a San Jose, California dentist. TDA Perks partner SoFi asked them to share their experiences and advice on how to make it in a private practice while paying off student loans. Here's what they shared. Debt is part of life, and that's okay. Dealing with student loans may seem like an overwhelming responsibility as it is, but there's no rule that says that you have to knock out your student debt before investing in professional growth. Brandi Lindsay graduated from University of Detroit's Mercy School of Dentistry with over $250,000 in student loans. Refinancing student loans reduced her interest rate by more than 2.5%, and it enabled her to save $23,000 over the life of her loan. After talking with an accountant about taking an additional debt to finance her business, she was given a green light. Borrowing for her practice turned out to be advantageous, both as a professional and as a taxpayer, by reducing her income tax bracket. Practice debt, even though you're backing it personally, can help your tax status, says Brandy. Here's another piece of advice. Beware of forbearance. Lots of dental and medical school graduates are startled by their student loan payment amounts when they come due. But being more proactive about payments during forbearance can reduce some of that shock. Mandatory forbearance for dental and medical residents and interns means lenders must reduce or suspend required payments during a qualified residency or internship program. But during forbearance, debt only grows because interest racks up behind the scenes. Refinancing sooner rather than later will help with those interest rates. Ian Augustin feels the sting years after his 2009 graduation from Loyola's Stritch School of Medicine. Refinancing cut more than 2% of interest off the remaining $125,000 he carried from his med school days. This not only lowers the interest he's paying each month, but more importantly will save him over $50,000. Looking back, Ian shares his biggest regret is becoming complacent. I allowed myself to forget about that debt burden, he says. Knowing what I know now... I would have spent more then to refinance and start paying them down during my four-year residency. Here's more advice. Don't finance your business with plastic. Financial institutions are generally enthusiastic about lending to dental and medical practitioners. So don't finance the business on credit cards. Look for opportunities to pay those down. Seek out small business loans instead, augmented by personal lines of credit if necessary, to pay for the initial capital and labor costs of building a practice. Brandy is a perfect example of someone who's the right blend of patient and aggressive. She bought her practice in gradual stages. Lenders wouldn't front her the money she needed to buy everything she wanted on day one, so she borrowed to invest in the practice, but rented her space at first. After 18 months, she'd built up enough equity and momentum for additional financing, and she bought the building. Another tip? Cut out high-rate loans. Dental and medical school loans can come with disadvantageous and inflexible interest rates, but there's a straightforward fix. Reduce your rates by refinancing. Refinancing helped Jacqueline Martinez, a graduate of the prestigious University of the Pacific Arthur A. Dugoni School of Dentistry, save $100,000. She shares, Being able to restructure my dental school debt at a lower interest rate saved me a ton of money. I've recommended refinancing to all of my classmates and colleagues. I'm not paying much more per month than I would have with my government loans, but more is going towards principal. Another piece of advice is to build a second opinion financial and legal A-team. You need the right professional and clerical staff to serve your patients. And you need a business team that understands your field and goals. A good attorney and solid accountant are imperative. You also have to be ready to act like a CEO and replace anyone who doesn't understand your mission or objectives. I've been through three CPAs since starting my practice, Brandy says. A good CPA will understand your goals and makes recommendations based on your specific interests, not just on some formula aimed at getting a dentist to retire by age 55. Also, think long-term because these choices really matter. Starting a practice or joining an existing one won't mean financial success overnight. Like almost everything worthwhile, that takes time. At the end of his Mayo Clinic residency in 2013, Ian had $275,000 in student loan debt and faced a tricky choice. He could have signed on with a major medical organization and taken an ample salary as anesthesiology is the number seven highest paying medical specialty. Instead, he decided to join a smaller private practice and get on a partnership track. That decision meant taking a lower starting salary in exchange for an equity share in the practice after a successful two year break in period. Ian took the long-term view when deciding where to set up shop, and it put him right where he wanted to be. He estimates he gave up $200,000 in salary during those first two years. While that's money he could've used to pay down his substantial debt, the savings from his refi combined with the personal and professional benefits of joining a practice made the decision easier. It's a financial sacrifice to get into private practice, he says, but the real benefit is in having a say in the practice, and that freedom was more appealing to me. The final piece of advice? Ultimately, it's about freedom, not money. Jacqueline is working at her father's dental practice, which she's in the process of buying. While developing a business plan and working through her financial needs, she confronted a reality. For her, the decision was much more about individual preferences and goals than money. Even with the long-term savings on her student debt as a result of refinancing her dental school loans, buying her dad's practice will mean carrying a total of more than $1 million in debt. She's gearing up to do it, but the personal struggle is real. Dentists have inherently low-risk personalities, she says. But if I just wanted to make money, I would have stayed in biomedical sales. Buying my own practice means that I'm in charge of the care and that allows me to better help people. But keep in mind, the first step toward a future as an independent dental or medical professional is taking charge of student loan debt. All individuals featured in this article refinance their student loans through TDA Perks partner, SoFi. For more information on SoFi, visit tdaperks.com. Programs Student Loan Refinancing. Our next topic is focused on how to confidently talk about fees to patients. This information is based on an article by Amy Morgan for Care Credit. TDA Perks partner, Care Credit, makes it easier for patients to access care by providing a healthcare credit card that helps families manage out-of-pocket expenses for dental procedures. The financial conversation is one of the most important dialogues that can happen in the practice. But so many dental team members are uncomfortable discussing fees and payment options with patients, which can impact treatment acceptance. Many dentists and teams share they don't like discussing money because they feel patients will perceive them as a used car salesman. Others have said they're uncomfortable with the fees because they themselves could not afford the dentistry the doctor was recommending. When the team's reluctance to discuss fees and payment options is combined with patient perception that dental insurance should cover all needed care, the result is often an awkward financial discussion. This doesn't benefit the practice or the patient. This is why patient understanding is important. Often, it's not the cost patients object to. People buy what they value. And if patients don't understand the value of the dentistry, objecting to cost is the easy way out. To effectively communicate the value of care, the dentist and team should invite the patient on the discovery journey and enable them to co-diagnose and own their oral health issues. Discuss these issues and treatment recommendations human to human, not clinician to patient. Ask questions to confirm patients clearly understand the care being recommended and the consequences of delaying or declining treatment. If these steps are taken, patients are more likely to value the dentistry. All that's left is for the team to embrace the role of healthcare advocate and to understand it's their privilege and obligation to help patients get the care they need and want. Keep in mind, great financial conversations are a team effort. Everyone on the team needs to be comfortable with what the practice charges for care and believe that the fees represent the practice's value quality of care, and service. The team needs to understand the practice's overhead costs. When they understand what it takes to keep the doors open, they will be more comfortable with the fees and charges. Of course, every team member needs to be proud of what he or she does and know he or she is making a difference in lives. When it comes to talking about money, I believe doctors should be able to look patients in the eye and quote an approximate fee for the care they are recommending. If they don't, patients may perceive a hidden agenda. The best results happen when doctors present treatment from a patient benefit point of view. Mrs. Jones, because you said you wanted to keep your teeth for life, our assessment today shows in order to do so, you need X, Y, and Z treatment. I'm recommending we go ahead with this very important treatment plan, which will cost approximately $5,000. The doctor can do a baton pass to the financial coordinator who has been trained in financial negotiations to help the patient find a payment solution that works for his or her specific situation. For example, Mrs. Jones, Mary is our financial coordinator. She's wonderful at working with patients to come up with the easiest and best financial option so we don't have to compromise your clinical care. Mary, this is Mrs. Jones. She understands that to meet her oral health goals, we're recommending this treatment. She shared with me that she has concerns about how much insurance we'll cover and wants to make sure the financial agreement is as stress-free as possible. She knows you have many options to work with. Mrs. Jones, I leave you in good hands. I'll see you at the first appointment to get you going on this very important treatment. Financial negotiations should come from a win-win perspective. The financial coordinator's job is to find a financial solution where both parties win, the patient gets a care he or she needs, and the practice has scheduled treatment. Teams should confirm cost and insurance contribution and then allow the patient to provide input and direction on the most ideal financial situation. For example, Mrs. Jones, as the doctor mentioned the cost of this care is $5,000. Your insurance benefits should contribute $1,000 leaving your out-of-pocket investment at $4,000. How would you like to take care of that today? The best-case scenario is the patient is willing and able to pay in full at the time of service, but for many patients A high out-of-pocket cost may not make this a viable option. The next alternative is to introduce third-party financing. This enables the practice to collect the fee at time of treatment. Many patients may prefer to pay over time, especially if the third-party financing option offers convenient monthly payments. Ultimately, patients may be more likely to commit to treatment if they like you, if they have a clear understanding of the treatment and are committed to care and if you make it financially comfortable with as many options as possible. Great financial conversations happen when the team has prepared and focuses on patient relationships and is knowledgeable about the costs of care and the fees they charge. Dentistry is a service and it's an act of caring. This information is provided by Amy Morgan, CEO of Pride Institute. She headlines national meetings including ADA and is published in Dental Economics and other dental magazines. This content is subject to change without notice and offered for informational use only. You're urged to consult with your individual business, financial, legal, tax, and or other advisors with respect to any information presented. Care Credit Synchrony Financial and any of its affiliates, collectively synchrony, make no representations or warranties regarding this content and accept no liability for any loss or harm arising from the use of the information provided. All statements and opinions in this article are the sole opinions of the author. Your receipt of this material constitutes your acceptance of these terms and conditions. Well, that's all for this edition of Cut to the Chase, our quarterly podcast. I'm Donovan Ocio, General Manager of the TDA Perks Program. If you have questions about any of these topics, give TDA Perks a call at 512-443-3675. Access our educational articles at tdaperks.com in the resources section. Until next time, goodbye. Music provided by betterwithmusic.com.